It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good Monday morning to you and would the rain ever go away wouldn't you be absolutely sick of it. We welcome you along to the programme. My thanks to John Paul for sitting in for me last week when I was off for the week and I have to say it was a nice relaxing week. It was I, I, I know when I signed off the previous Friday I said something like I'm going to try and recharge the batteries. I kind of felt like the batteries needed to be recharged a little bit and what did I do for the week I was off? Absolutely Absolutely nothing, really. Nothing outside of the house, that's for sure. I stuck to the five kilometre rule, so we didn't go uh, anywhere. Got to do some gardening on the days when it wasn't raining, even though I picked one particular afternoon where I was going to spend the whole afternoon in the garden and I was in and out and in and out because of the rain showers. But it didn't didn't put me off, that's for sure. And uh, Marsha, my, my daughter, she was off as well uh, with me for the week and she likes to get stuck into bedding plants and that. So we put in a bit of colour for the winter and I was thinking of Alice Taylor because I'd interviewed Alice as on the last day before I took my week off and Alice spoke about during the first lockdown how the garden really was one of her saviours and it was great and if you can when the weather dries up somewhat if you can get out into the garden there is something the time just flies I mean before you know it three hours can be gone and you can have a tiredness at the end of a good day's gardening it's a natural tiredness it certainly helps you sleep but you get outside as well I think and I think that's important so it got to do the gardening, got to do some arts and crafts stuff with Marsha. She always loves to do anything like that, this kind of tactile. So we made soap, getting it ready for Christmas presents uh, for Christmas. And then I did the traditional, as I think all of us women do, when we get time off and you're sitting around the house looking at the house, you realise that it needs a good clean. So got to do a lot of cleaning as well and in behind cupboards, you know, and behind couches and things and places you don't normally clean every week. Well, maybe some people do, but I certainly don't. So I got to do a lot of that kind of work as well. So it was a lovely week off. And my thanks, as I say, to John Paul, who uh, sat in last week, backed up by uh, Bernie and uh, Sadie. And John Paul is back in his normal seat taking your calls today. If there's anything you want to share with us, 1850 Love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 086 103 and of course today is the first day back for the children after their mid-term break and I don't know how parents are feeling or some anxious about sending their children back I mean the, the one thing even though I did a switch off last week I, I did keep up to date with what was happening news wise 
couldn't believe that story on the hand sanitizer. how much that exploded during the week. Just seems such a bizarre story and a bizarre thing to happen. But the pressure that that must have put on individual schools as they were having their week off, suddenly I'm assuming you'd principals all over the country frantically trying to get more hand sanitizer in and no doubt they've sorted all of that and people don't have to worry about it. But there was a lot of talk across last week. Would the schools reopen today? Then there was kind of two sides of the camp. Some of the teachers seem to be unhappy about being in schools. Parents the majority of them want their children back in school. Some parents then are anxious about sending their children to school. So there's no right or wrong, except I think all of the evidence certainly suggests that having our children and keeping our children in school and trying to keep as normal a routine as possible is best for the children all round. And schools and children are not the super spreaders and certainly children going to school. We haven't seen evidence of massive clusters of COVID-19. I mean, I know and whenever I mention schools, people say, oh, there was an outbreak in my school or there was, I heard in the school that, you know, my son's friend goes to, there was an outbreak there. There has been outbreaks of COVID-19 but there, there haven't been super spreaders. There hasn't been cases where, you know, an entire class was came down with coronavirus or a school had to close because so many of the teachers got COVID-19, for example. And even when we look at the numbers, I think the last time I checked, it was up around the, was it between 350, 400 cases of COVID-19 in various schools. But that's out of 4,000 schools that we have. So I think schools are doing really well when it comes to protecting our young people. So the evidence is there that keeping the schools open is the best way forward and is the best thing to do. And even if you look across Europe and a lot of other countries, including our near neighbours, the United Kingdom, are following now what we are doing in this country with this level five lockdown And it's happening in France and it's happening in Germany and it's happening in Spain and Italy and other countries now are realising the second wave is as bad, if not worse than the first wave. And that's frightening in itself. And they're going for similar lockdowns to here. But all of them are saying that they're keeping their schools open. So it does seem to be the way forward. So I'm interested to hear from parents how you felt about your sons and daughters heading off to school today. And if anybody wants to share anything, what did you get up to at Halloween? Was Halloween very different for you this year? Not having any trick-or-treaters. I still had the sweets in just in case, just in case. And I had the little little pumpkin lights in the window just to say to any children passing, yeah, we're open for business if you do want to call. And I was all ready to hand out the sweets uh, to them. And, you know, I was very careful that I'd let them pick the sweets themselves so there wouldn't be any touching and just tried to do it as safely as possible. But I suppose the majority of parents decided and went again and took the advice that had been given, in fairness, by the experts that, you know, forget about trick-or-treating for this year. So hopefully if you had smallies in the household that you managed to do something to make Halloween a little bit exciting. 1850 As I say, lines are open. John Paul is on his own taking your calls today so do have patience with him if you're having problems getting through on the phone but you can always text or WhatsApp me at 0862 103 103 and you can email patricia at c103.ie and you can also message us on Facebook as well. You've lots and lots and lots of ways to contact us and of course if you want to put pen 
to paper at any stage. We always welcome the handwritten letters as well. And actually, I came in this morning to a letter from one of our listeners in Skibbereen. No name on this, except that the listener is writing to me from Skibbereen. And inside in the letter was a 50 euro note with a little message saying, as Christmas is fast approaching, my heart goes out to that young mother in Belarus that you spoke about with the young kids. Please, could you send this gift to get some toys for them? Keep up your good, the good work. Yours in hope. Uh, and just signed Skibbereen. And, you know, I was so, that actually nearly brought tears to my eyes when I opened the letter and saw that this morning. So just to acknowledge that listener in Skibbereen, I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Uh, I don't know who you are, but just to say thank you. It has arrived safely and I will make sure that that money gets to Belarus in plenty of time for Christmas for that young mother. And it's uh, Vika is the young mother. I spoke about her last year after we had come come back from the trip that I went over in May. Wasn't it May of last year? It seems so long ago. And now and she was one of the young girls who used to come. She was an orphan. She used to come to Mallow during the summer months and we've watched her grow and she's she got married and she has children and we found her in the most dreadful poverty when we went over and we've had a number of listeners have sent given sent money in here that we've sent over and we've got her set up in a new apartment now and life is much better it's still very difficult for her but her living conditions have has improved beyond all belief and she's in a lovely new apartment and we got equipment and you know good stuff that she needed for the house as well but times are tough for her and coming up to Christmas it is going to be very tough with the children as well so thank you thank from the bottom of my heart thank you to that listener it's it, it, just the kindness when people extend offers and do things like that it's just it, I it touches me it really really does um, thank you and talking of something that touched me uh, and you know last week uh, I my heart went out to John Paul actually on Tuesday of last week when I know he had to go on air and talk about the dreadful tragedy that had unfolded this day last week in Canturk. And it was one of those moments, like I love my job. I, I love coming to work. I, I love doing what I'm doing. But there's days when it can be really hard. And it was one of those days last Tuesday morning I said, I, I'm thankful I'm not going to work today because I, I wouldn't, I didn't even know where I would start to talk about the tragedy in Canturk. And I have thought so much across this week of Anne O'Sullivan and my heart just absolutely breaks uh, for the woman. And obviously today then, when I open all of the papers, they're all carrying the coverage of her eldest son, Mark's uh, funeral, which was on Saturday in uh, Canturk and reading tributes about Mark. I mean, he just seemed like, as one person said, an absolute gentleman, one of the nicest men uh, you could ever meet. And people just really just came across as a nice, kind, kind uh, young man who had his whole life uh, ahead of him. And it's just that whole story is just so tragic. So I just want to, I'm not going to rehash anything. It's just been enough said and said about this particular case. I just want to add my deepest, deepest sympathies to Anne O'Sullivan and to her extended family. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what she's going through, but I just hope and pray that she gets strength from somewhere uh, to continue. And I know that she is being supported by her extended family. And I know that there are a local community in North Cork who will wrap her up 
and we'll look after her and we'll take care for her and we'll help her in any way that she can. So just as I say, just to say too, and not that she's listening to the radio this morning, but if anybody close to her is, just to say we are we are still thinking of her and praying for her. And to Mark, to Tig, and uh, to dear Miss May they all uh, rest in peace. Uh, 1850-333-103. Now, now that uh, Halloween is behind us, for some people, they they go straight from Halloween into Christmas. And I've always found it most a bizarre thing that people do it. And I have a a relative of mine, who shall remain nameless, who does the very same thing. Soon as Halloween is gone, up up goes the Christmas tree and up goes the Christmas decorations. I'm and I love Christmas and I love decorations at Christmas and I love my house being decorated and I always hate January because there's that moment where the decorations have to come down and then the house looks I always feel so dull and so dark and I miss the brightness and I miss the twinkling lights and all of that it always takes me about a week to get over it all so I'm kind of one of the ones normally like to have it up at the beginning of December do you remember the toy show used to always be around sort of the first weekend of December so the thing in our house was we'd get the decorations up in time for the toy show even though the toy show now has kind of moved back earlier hasn't it it's around the end of November now but I always like to have them up by the start of December and then I get the whole month of December and the week or so out of January and then they're gone so it, it, it always makes me smile when I think see people who have them up for two months because I'm always thinking God would you be sick of them if you had them up from the start of November but you know this year with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the fact that we're in lockdown, I've noticed, I've really noticed on social media the amount of people that are saying that they're putting up their Christmas decorations early because of COVID-19 and people who say they would have given out about others in the past who would have gone with that putting up decorations. So I'd be interested to hear, are you are you dusting off the tinsel? Are you taking the tree out of the attic? I mean, the thing is, if you're going for a real tree, I'm, I'm assuming you can't get a real tree this early. But if, you've, if you're like me and you have one of the artificial ones up in the attic, do you feel like reaching for it today and bringing out the baubles and the fairy lights and the tinsel and decorating the tree. 1850-333-103 and I suppose one of the first signs that Christmas is upon us or is certainly just around the corner is the annual publication of the Holly Bow and I was reading in the Echo uh, today that the 2020 Holly Bow is now on sale and, and you see the photograph on the, the painting on the front. That's where I always love to look. I spend ages when I get the Holly Bow just looking at the picture on the front cover they're always the the art the artists that paint those pictures are just unbelievable the the gift i it's one of the things that i've always never been really good at is art and painting i'd love to have been able to have painted or drawn or sketched so i can really admire anyone else that is that can do it and this year's cover design is by jason o'gorman who runs dynamic studio and it is a picture of Santa and his sleigh zooming around the famous goldie fish atop St Anne's Church in Shandon with the city as the backdrop. And it's just, it is wonderful. Haven't got my copy of the Holly Bell yet. Looking forward uh, to getting to to getting to read it. I'm told there are contributions this year from broadcasters John Creighton and George Hook. Art authors Kevin Barry and our own Alice Taylor is in the in there, and the panto legend Catherine Mahan Buckley. Uh, Catherine's just a fantastic a woman who obviously is at a bit of a loss this year with no panto season. She's writing in the Hollybell along with uh, Michal Martin. 
the Taoiseach who took time out from his busy schedule to write a personal uh, message and actually Th- Micheál Martin in the Echo today said little did I realise as a child reading the Hollybell many years ago that I'd one day write an article and he said it's an immense honour of which I am deeply uh, conscious and they've got all obviously of the usual the favourites are in there the, the Diffany quiz the photo uh, gallery and the prize uh, crossword so keep a look out for that the Hollybell on sale in all news agents now, which is a sure sign that the Christmas season for 2020 is upon us. A listener says, I hate Christmas. That's from a mallow man. (laughs) I see, I love Christmas and I absolutely accept there are other people that do not like Christmas for a variety of different uh, reasons. And I'm also very conscious, myself and John Paul were talking about this in the office because there was a a gentleman rang... uh, on Friday just talking about how lonely he's already starting to worry how lonely he's going to be at Christmas because he's got nobody that can call to him and if restrictions are in place and all of that and I am very aware of this year in particular I think we're all going to have to pull together to make sure that nobody is left behind this Christmas and that nobody is left feeling isolated or feeling lonely because I think that is going to be a huge huge problem but to that listener in Mallow I absolutely accept that there are people who hate Christmas and then there are people like me that absolutely uh, love it. 1850 Just staying in Mallow, somebody wants to know is Bridge Street or the Park Road uh, flooded? Well, Bridge Street wouldn't be flooded because they would, the flood barriers, they would have put, put it up. I certainly was driving yesterday and the river was very high, but I've checked. We certainly didn't have any reports of flooding this morning or any roads closed because of flooding in Mallow Town and I've just checked with a road watch as well but if anybody has been out driving this morning Bridge Street Park Road are they all okay if you were driving in that area this morning can you let us know it's obviously somebody who's about to make a journey and doesn't want to make a journey if it is unnecessary and they won't be able to get to where they need to get to because the road is flooded so the Park Road or Bridge Street are they okay at the moment if somebody can let us know please 1850 and then a couple of people are on about matches at the weekend two different two different people complaining about things that have happened at matches at the weekend Mary says Patricia I was watching the matches on RTE yesterday and I noticed the people on the sidelines and the managers, some were wearing their masks under their chins and others weren't wearing masks at all. I'm wondering, could you put it out there and ask, what do other other listeners think of this? Yeah, I suppose the fact that they, they were outside, the ruling is that you have to wear a mask if you're inside. You know, shops, when the restaurants were open any kind of retail outlets you have to wear a mask or if you're going to be you know within you can't keep two metres away, away from somebody inside you need to wear a mask but we still haven't gone down the road yet other countries have of saying to people you need to wear a mask as soon as you step out your front door you need to wear a mask we, we still haven't done that because the evidence is there that you are more likely to pick up coronavirus inside than you are outside so at the moment the powers that be are not saying that we have to wear masks outside. So I suppose that the people at that match can say, well, we don't have to wear masks if we don't want to. Now, why you'd wear a mask under your chin? I don't know, unless they have the mask ready for when they go inside, maybe to talk to the teams and they can pull it up and wear the mask. Maybe that was the reason for under the chin. But it doesn't make any sense to be going around with a mask under your under your chin for sure. Anyway, did others notice it? Did it annoy other people? that the ones on the sideline, the sideline, the 
the people working on the sideline and the managers, do you think they should all be wearing masks when they're at a GAA match? And then Pat says, Hi Patricia, something that infuriates me and was very evident at the weekend. Why can't GAA players respect the national anthem to the very end to the last note of the National Anthem. It really upsets me, said Pat. And do other listeners, does that irritate other listeners as well? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp Sanctuary in recent weeks we've featured a drive-through flu vaccination clinic that was set up by a group of local GPs in Middleton. Unfortunately, the doctors behind the initiative have been forced to close it due to delays in receiving vaccination stock. One of the GPs behind the drive-through is Dr Mike Thompson, who once again joins me. Good morning to you, Mike. Are you very disappointed? And frustrated. Yeah. Um, You know, I think where we are, where we are, it's probably a victim of circumstance. It was a pity. Uh, We had 1,600 cars booked for the next few weekends and we've had to cancel all those people. Um, I suppose it showed it can be done um, quickly, safely, efficiently on a kind of a large-scale programme that can be done, you know, next year maybe or even rolled out as a as a mooted corona vaccine template uh, clinic as well. But there was great feedback. Um, but, you know, the one thing you can't run without a vaccine clinic is vaccines. So, we Yeah, and when you, like when you say you get 1,600 cars uh, booked in, the last time we spoke with you about it, it's not, you're not just vaccinating one person in the car. I mean, you, would, you, you told the story of a family, two adults and three kids in the back, and you were able to do them all together. Yeah, we had six adults and one minivan was the biggest we've done. The average was <laughs> 2.4 per car we worked out, you know. So I would say, Patricia, the children's vaccine is still plentiful around. So I'd encourage people to ring their GP um, to, to, to maybe go on a, a list for that. And with the adult vaccine, it, it's more delays than anything. Um, so I suppose ring the GP once, go on a waiting list, and I think we will get around to people. And going forward, do you, think, do you believe the model of the drive through clinic could be set up all over the country? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, we, we adopted it from other countries. I mean, and it's nearly standard practice to get a very large cohort of the population done very quickly. I think it is, I think it's the most efficient way. Um, so we're back in general practice to kind of running it uh, more opportunistically and we've walked through clinics and stuff. Uh, and that's fine and that'll be fine for this year. It means it's a bit more fragmented, I suppose, than we'd like. And we'd like maybe to be turning our attention this time of the year to acute capacity and illness. Um as opposed to be, you know, vaccinating coming up to Christmas, but you know, we, we, we're 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 dependent on the number of vaccines that each practice gets in, you know. And what are the HSE telling you that when when you do get your vaccines, are they telling you who you now need to target? Yeah, so obviously we would like everyone to get the flu vaccine or anyone who wants one. And uh, this year they've introduced a kind of a, an eligibility cohort, so you need to be on a certain list. Uh, that list has been further kind of um, prioritised to now at the moment we're told to give it only to people over 65 or healthcare professionals in direct patient contact. 
And then when they are done, we're to give it to pregnant women and people with long-term conditions and their contacts. So those people not eligible, which would include, you know, 60% of the population, including some groups, I think, who may feel hard done by, like SNAs, teachers and guards, I don't think they have any chance of getting the flu vaccine this year. Unless they're on an eligible list. Yeah, yeah. You know, I and we've been contacted by people who, you know, religiously got the flu vaccine every year. They're not on the on the list, but they saw yeah. the importance of getting it. And suddenly now they're faced with having to hope yeah. in hell of getting the vaccine. Yeah, you're breaking a habit of a you know, a good a good habit that people have had, you know. Um I, I think when it does come down to that we are where we are with the RF, there is a limited supply, you do have to prioritise. And that's difficult. And we're getting a little bit of heat in general practice about that as well. Um, but I think people will understand that we have to prioritise. If there is limited stock and it's outside our control, you know, we will have to give preference to certain groups. So when are you getting your next batch of vaccine? Or do you even know? Yeah, this week. So we get them particularly every two weeks. Okay. Um, the difficulty is we're getting a very small amount and we don't know when and how many, if any. Unfortunately, we'll be getting any more. Um, so we're on to the HSC regularly all GPs are I suppose seeing when you know trying to trying to schedule clinics which is safer for patients you know Um, it's difficult at this time So you now and I'm I'm assuming every GP is the same you now have a wait you have a waiting list and when the vaccine comes in somebody in your practice will ring to say come in we have it for you Yeah we've waiting lists for waiting lists this year. It's incredible. It's incredible because a number of not too many months ago, we were shouting from the rooftops to everybody, get your flu vaccine this year. And we are, I suppose, a victim of its success. It's one thing that people feel they can control this year. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty. So getting the flu vaccine is something people felt they could be proactive at doing. And it's disappointing for them and for us, I must say, not to be able to fulfil that need for them, you know. I suppose, be patient. We'll get through, we hope, the most of the vulnerable list before the end of November, maybe mid-December. And are you hopeful that we may not get a bad flu season this year? I think the Southern Hemisphere experiences that they had no real flu epidemic this year. Between the social distancing, the masks, getting children done. And um, so I think we'd be very positive about that. But, you know, you're leaving that a little bit to chance. but certainly the the Australian experience has been very positive. Okay, all right. And then you mentioned, you know, how successful your drive-through clinic was, and the possibility that it could be used for a COVID vaccine. Well, I won't be doing it, but the HSC are welcome to manage <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, um, it could absolutely. So we do know the flu at sixty years safety data. We know it's quick. The monitoring is is very quick afterwards. We don't know how long the flu vac- or the COVID vaccine would be given, how many, how often, to be honest. So, But it is something that I think could be replicated. Um, you remember, Patricia, we all went up to Neptune Stadium some years ago to get our swine flu vaccine. Yeah. Um, but that was not socially distanced. So the difficulty is, how do you give a large-scale vaccine very, very quickly to a lot of the population whilst remaining socially distanced? And yeah. I think a drive-through clinic is the answer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. OK, and we're nearly two weeks living under level five restrictions. As a GP, are you seeing a drop yes. in people coming for... Yeah, yeah. Or, or ringing, I suppose, for a referral onward. Yeah. Most noticeably, absolutely. Yeah. So it is working. Which is, it is working. 
yeah, absolutely. I think people are heedful of the message too, you know. Okay. All right, listen, hang in there and well done once again for setting up that drive-through clinic. It was, it was brilliant. Uh, we'll talk again, Mike. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Mike uh, Thompson joining us from Middleton, one of those GPs behind the drive-through clinic that unfortunately they've had to close down due to lack of availability of vaccines this year. So just once again to put that out to people because we don't want GP practices absolutely swamped with people calling saying when are you getting the vaccine when are you getting the vaccine when are you getting a vaccine if you have already rang your GP practice and made them aware that you're in the at-risk group and you're on a waiting list then you just have to be patient you just have to wait as you heard Mike saying they are expecting vaccines to arrive some stage this week but every single GP practice and pharmacy they have no idea of how many vaccine vials they're going to get until they arrive and then obviously when they arrive they go down through their waiting list. So just to be a little bit patient because GP practices are under enough pressure as it is with people calling without people constantly ringing going is the vaccine there? Is it in yet? Is it in yet? Is it in yet? They will once you once you know that you're on a waiting list at your GP practice for the flu vaccine, then hold off and they will contact you. 1850 333 Sarah in Mallow raises an interesting point. Sarah says, I think it's hilarious that you can go into a supermarket and you can buy toys... You can't buy toys for your children, but you can buy toys for your dogs. So there's something wrong in that, says Sarah from Mallow. And actually what I heard at the weekend was somebody making the point that she could go into her local supermarket and buy a coat for her dog. But she couldn't buy a coat for her child, even though the same, it was one of the larger supermarkets that had closed as well. And she said, I could see a coat for my son. I was in touching distance of it. But I wasn't allowed to buy a coat for my son. But when I went into the grocery section, down where all the pet food was, there was a section where they had little accessories for and for dogs and cats and other little pets. And she said there was a lovely little coat that I was able to buy for my little terrier. And she said, I picked it up, put it into the trolley and she said, I thought there's something really wrong. He needed a little coat to keep him warm for winter. I was able to buy one for my dog but I wasn't able to buy a coat for my child. And Sarah making the same point with toys. There there has been that argument about toys with Christmas so close. Some toy shops were saying, should they not have been put on the list of essential services, essential businesses, because with Christmas uh, so close. And then, of course, we have the whole middle aisles inside in the Aldis and the Lidl's. They're not doing any more of the special offers during lockdown. Some people say that's the right thing to do. Others say it's not. I can see the reasoning behind behind the middle aisles being closed and even not being allowed to buy the toys inside in the bigger supermarkets. It's because of the smaller independent stores that were fo- forced to close. When you think of all the toy shops around the country that have been forced to close, you think of all of the hard, the electrical shops. It's, I know some of the hardware stores are, are allowed to open but it's it's an unfair advantage to the supermarkets if they're allowed to sell everything if they're allowed to sell C- CDs and DVDs and everything else while a shop down the road has been forced to close because of the level 5 restrictions so I can understand the thinking behind it the closed one is a little bit bizarre somebody else is saying Patricia is it okay to walk down the town naked as the government are saying clothes are non-essential that was probably the most ludicrous statement that I heard 
during all of the bits of news that I heard last week was the arguments that clothes are not essential. But it isn't sitting well with people that you can buy that some items are off limits you can actually see them but you're not able to able to buy them particularly the children's clothes and you know they, there doesn't seem to be any push or any move by the government to change their mind on this because they are making the point that a lot of the those businesses and a lot of the supermarkets are doing click and collect and if you're desperately in need of a coat for your child then go online and do click and collect and I'll straight away hear somebody say that's okay if you're in an area where you're broadband and you're able to do a click and collect click and collect of course also click and collect may not be available to somebody who doesn't have a bank account and I know that might sound strange to some people but there are a cohort and a large cohort of people who can't afford to have bank accounts because we know that banks charge so much and there are people who deal in cash and cash only and if you are one of those people that deal in cash and cash only then you can't go online even if you do have wonderful broadband and even if you do have access to the internet because you need to have a bank account either a debit or a credit card and that puts it off limits uh, to others. 1853 103 the frustrations of the current lockdown and what's affecting people. Your thoughts are welcome. C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered. It's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognise you. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you from C103. Now, while there has and is thankfully a continuing fall in new COVID-19 cases and it's been, uh, it comes, it's been seen has been very positive but we are being told not to leave our guard down. John Paul joins me in studio we normally do this on a Friday but because I wasn't here and John Paul was under pressure last Friday he wasn't able to do it. Good morning to you John Paul. Morning. This is where we look back on the last two weeks of confirmed cases by the different electoral areas. These numbers are released on a Thursday evening and we always look at them on Friday. So this is for the previous two weeks and I have to say to people because some of these figures sound a little bit high and it looks like areas are going up this would have been up to the 26th of October which would have been last week so the numbers had dropped have dropped since these figures but just to give people an idea of from the 13th of October to the 26th of October and what way the figures were looking Yeah and this is how things how they were looking first of all the Bantry electoral area and here you're taking in Castletown Bear the Mizzen and the Bearer Peninsulas Uh, the confirmed cases here last week 51 this week 42 in the Skibreen area then here you're taking in Ross Carberry Dunmanway Banleen and the Clonakilty areas last week 58 confirmed cases this week 71 and to the Band and Kinsale area and again it's a large area here from Timaleague towards Inishannon, Balagooli and parts of Town. there were 68 cases here last week 60 confirmed cases this week and then to Carrigaline where you have Crosshaven under this local electoral area such as Myrtleville, Ballygarvan and Ringeskiddy uh, 108 cases here uh, last week that's gone up to 100 and 20 in that area this week and then into the city 
And starting with the Cork City Southwest uh, local area, uh, there was 196 cases here last week, and this takes in Ballincolig, Wilton, Curraheen, and some areas of Toker. There was 228 confirmed cases this time round to Cork City South Central. You're looking here at the rest of Toker, Kinsale Road area, and Turner's Cross. There was 311 last week confirmed cases this time round is 242 to the southeast of the city would be Rochestown, Mahan, Douglas areas last week 183 uh, that's gone down 1 to 182 confirmed cases there and then to the northeast of the city we're looking towards Tivoli Montanati, Glanmire and the Mayfield areas uh, last week they had 197 cases that's gone down 1 as well to 196 confirmed cases there and to the Cork City Northwest area and you're looking here towards Knocknahini, Blarney and the Sundays Well area they had 200 cases last week and that has increased to 218 confirmed cases and back to the county and to the McCroom local area which takes in Coachford, Mill Street, Ballingiri, Coulee, Arhala and those areas last week they had 73 cases that has increased now to 91 confirmed cases uh, to Canturk where you had the town of Charnival in this area, Newmarket, Kilcorny, Kishkane, Ballydesmond, and Milford. There was 45 cases here last week, and that has increased to 60 cases confirmed this week. And to the Mallow area, where it, that does take in Dramahan, Glantan, New Two Pot House, Churchtown, Granales, Carl, and all those areas, 47 cases last week. That has increased to 82 confirmed this week. And the Fermoy local electoral area where you have included here Rathcormack, Connor, Kilworth, Donnerell, Mitchellstown, Fermoy and Castle Lyon. 66 confirmed cases here last week. That's gone up 1 to 67 this week. And to the Cove area, again a large area here from Carrick Tool towards Carrick Navarre, Watergrass Hill, Nograha and Cove itself. They had 80 cases here last week and that has increased to 92 this week and to the Middleton local area Another large area here of East Cork from Ladies Bridge towards Ballycotton, Shanagarry, Cline, Dungourney and Yall itself and also taken in Middleton. 53 cases here last week. The confirmed cases this week uh, that has increased to 60. OK, and that is for the two weeks from the 13th of October to the 26th and the 26th of October was this day last week and we know across last week there has been a fall. So when John Paul, when you come back to join us on Friday to look at the figures we're definitely going to see should see a reduction in some of those numbers because yeah. even yesterday it was 552 were the number yeah. of cases uh, yesterday of which I have the Cork figures here the Cork figures for yesterday was 86 and that was, so that was a big drop yeah, and also the 14 day incident up to yesterday per 100,000 is 253 so mm-hmm. they are going down it is yeah, working it is, it is working, working. Yeah. alright thank you for that okay. and uh, we'll talk again uh, that's John Paul You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
A lot of calls coming into the programme. Uh, firstly, Tom Inrath Gormick was, was on to say that he got his letter about liability for his local property tax. He got the letter last week. But when he was chatting with his neighbours, he said his neighbours haven't received theirs yet. And he's wondering if many others received a letter about their local property tax. So I just did a quick Google search on citizensinformation.ie about the local property tax and the liability date for the local property tax for 2021 is the 1st of November 2020 so it was this weekend was the liability and we pay for the year going forward so that's probably the reason that the letters are out because the liability is the 1st of November but has anybody else had letters Tom just thinks it's strange that he got one and his neighbours didn't and then a different Tom this time Tom in Formoy was on this is to do with the wearing of face masks and people who are talking about others who are not wearing face masks and I'm always saying to people be careful before you start finger pointing and saying why is somebody not doing something that there could be a reason behind it and Tom has an underlying health condition it's a COPD which if you know anyone who knows what COPD is it's a chronic uh, lung condition so wearing a mask for Tom is quite difficult but that's not stopping Tom from wearing one he says he puts a mask on whenever he's in a shop whenever he's in a built in area but he finds that if he's in a shop doing his bits and pieces whatever he needs to do with the mask on as soon as he gets out of that shop he has to take the mask off in order to get as much air into his lungs as possible so Tom is saying please have respect for people not wearing masks on the street who are breathing fresh air. He said, I always keep my distance from people, but he, he's getting the feeling that he's people looking at him strangely because he's not wearing a mask outside. And you're doing nothing wrong. You are sticking exactly to the regulations that are in place, Tom, that says when you go into a shop, you must wear a mask. But there's no current guidelines saying that we must wear a mask when we're outside. So you're doing absolutely nothing wrong. If you think people are looking at you funny, they shouldn't be because you're doing everything right and it's very, very difficult for people with lung conditions to be wearing masks. So, you know, I really commend you, Tom, for doing your bit and you're wearing that mask, as you know, to protect other people. So so go you and well done and, and could good health uh, to you as well. And then Jur was on to say yesterday was the 100th anniversary of the execution of Kevin Barry. Jur says, I was disappointed that it wasn't on the national broadcaster yesterday. And I'm taken aback by that because I'm convinced yesterday I was watching, was it the news I was watching, the six o'clock news, something on RT where I saw it mentioned that it was the 100th anniversary of Kevin Barry. And I'm very slow to knock RT on this one because there was many programmes during last week in the lead up to the 100th anniversary. I watched an amount of items, particularly nationwide, did some really, really good programmes about the a number of 100th year anniversaries that are coming up. But in particular, they definitely did one on Kevin Barry where they looked at the whole thing of Kevin Barry and, you know, the photographs that were used at the time. And even though he was a lad of 18 summers, he was just short, shy of his 19th birthday, how mature he was for a young lad of that age when you think of a young 18-year-old today. And I was very much thinking of Kevin Barry yesterday 
the fact that it was his 100th anniversary. So, Ger, I think you're wrong. I, I do think that it was mentioned. It's certainly, I certainly heard something on it yesterday because any time I heard of Kevin Barry being mentioned in the last week, the song kept going through my head. And you know, then you get, you, you, once you get a song at your head, you keep humming it and keep, keep singing it. And I definitely was singing it yesterday again because I was watching something on RT where it got mentioned. And here's one that Jerry finds a kind of a bit of a pickle that Jerry finds himself in as an employer. And I don't know how many other employers are having the same problem. He says he's, have a, he's having what he describes as a terrible problem with some of his employees saying they think they have COVID-19 and he reckons some of them are doing it just to get time off work. He said they then head off and uh, get tested and then obviously they have to wait. They have to wait firstly for the test to get called for the test and then they have to wait for the test results. So in all, probably can be three days maybe from the time somebody says, think I need a COVID test, contacting their doctor, getting the test, getting tested and then waiting for the results. So they're obviously out of work for that period of time. And then he said other staff members who have been in close proximity to the person who's gone for the COVID test they have to self-isolate. So they're going to be off work as well. And Jerry said it's disrupting the whole business. He feels it is blackguarding of the highest order. He said it's the employers who will have to pick up the bill and to pick up the slack. He said some employees will do anything just for a bit of time off work. He said, meanwhile, I'm paying the price. He thinks it's shocking. And that's certainly, Jerry. you're the first employer to come to us with that problem because we've had a problem in the past of people who didn't want to take time off work and people who did have symptoms and we heard dreadful stories of people going into work when they shouldn't have been in work because they ended up having COVID-19. So I'm really surprised to think that anybody would use COVID-19 as an excuse to get a few days off work. But according to Jerry, he reckons it's going on. Now, we're not obviously divulging where Jerry's business is or what type of business he's in, but it is worthy of a mention just to see, is it more widespread? Are there people out there who literally will do anything to get a couple of days off work and they go forward for their COVID-19 test? But Jerry is right. I mean, if somebody has to go forward for a test, then their close contacts have to self-isolate until the test results come back and that's very unfortunate for Jerry if he's ending up then at any one time maybe losing two and three employees waiting on the results and then when the results come back it's negative and everybody's back into work he says blackguarding of the highest order your thoughts welcomed on that 1850-333-103 and some of your texts coming in a text that made me smile just came in at news at 11 this was a reaction this was Reaction to a text I read out earlier when I mentioned about how there was talks last week that clothes were not essential and there's an argument going on about should people be allowed to buy clothes in particular children's clothes I think is the one that's causing a problem for some not all but for some parents and we got a text in saying hi Trish is it okay to walk downtown naked as the government is saying clothes are non-essential and that came in from Pat well lo and behold Another Pat says, morning Patricia, would that girl no, <laughs> that wants to walk down the town naked, would she ever let me know when she's doing it as I'm desperately frisky at the moment? It's the lockdown that's causing it. So I'd love to know when she's going to be walking naked down the town. Thanking you, says Pat. <laughs> what really made me smile was 
Pat who sent in that text is assuming that the other Pat is a female and I don't know. I don't know if the other Pat is a Patrick or a Patricia. I know that this Pat is a Patrick but I don't know if the original Pat is a Patrick or a Patricia but that did make me smile. Anyway, on children, on clothes, there's a lot of people on about clothes and clothing and should we be allowed to buy clothes and should they be deemed essential and should more shops be allowed to open, particularly clothes uh, shops. Someone says, hi Patricia, a big market was in Bantry last Friday selling all kinds of clothes. They were also selling shoes and tools, etc. And yet shops were closed. That's very unfair. Thanking you. That's from a Bantry listener. And I know similar texts and calls that that came into the programme on Friday because I came over to the studio on Friday just to get the prepared for today and I was talking with Bernie and John Paul and they were saying that they'd got calls in with people saying it was unfair that the farmers markets were allowed to sell clothes when the shops in the general and this wasn't just Bantry this was all over for a lot of farmers markets that were selling clothes and I know Bernie got on to the guard the station to see you know were they aware was that a breach and they didn't really know they were a bit saying don't really know how to handle this one don't really know what to say to you but it does seem a little bit unfair if you have a clothes shop that has to close down and in a very close proximity somebody on a Friday or a Saturday can open up a stall in a farmer's market and the farmer's markets are allowed to go ahead because if they primarily sell food they are allowed to go ahead but it does seem unfair that they can also sell clothes and shoes when the clothes on the shoe shops are actually closed. Meg says come on people wear the clothes you have do you really need to be going out buying so many other clothes and on the Example I gave of you can buy a coat for your dog, but you can't buy a coat for your child. Somebody said, what's new? Ireland is at the forefront of foolishness, says uh, somebody. Hi, Patricia. I think toy shops and electrical shops should be allowed to open because when these shops will be allowed to open at the start of December, everybody will be rushing out, all trying to do their shopping, all trying to do it at the same time. Guess what's going to happen? The virus is going to spread rapidly. Also, of course, essential clothes shops should be open. Thanking you. That is from a Mallow listener. Mary says, Patricia, on the issue of level five, when it's all over, I can see people going absolutely mad. I actually really worry about it all because level five will have been wasted, says uh, Mary. And some people feel that's what happened with the first lockdown. We came out of the first lockdown. We were all patting ourselves on the back. We did so well in the figures during the summer months were great. Everyone was thinking we've broken the back of this. We've flattened the curve. And then did people all go mad again? And suddenly the virus spread like wildfire. So there is that bit of a fear factor for sure. Mary, you're not on your own or that other mallow listener. You're not on your own. People are worried. What will December look like if everybody suddenly rushes to the shops? Bearing in mind that we'll have a four week run to the busiest time of the year when when people get out to do their shopping. So yes, that is going to cause a concern. And then Mavis says, why do people need to be buying all these new clothes? We're not allowed to go any more than five kilometres from our home. We're spending most of our time indoors at home, apart from going out shopping. 
So what do you need all these new clothes for? Also, you're not going to be able to use the changing rooms anyway. If it's that urgent, do a click and connect. Mavis says, I'm surprised people do not have bank accounts. What are they trying to hide, says uh, Mavis. Well, Mavis, the people that I was talking about earlier when I mentioned there are some people who don't have bank accounts, it's got nothing to do with them hiding anything. Low income families don't have bank accounts because to have a bank account it costs money and if you're living on a very very tight budget and you're watching every single penny that goes out on a daily weekly and monthly basis if you can save by not having a bank account and that gives you extra money to buy whatever you need for your family that's what people do so people dealing cash and cash only they pick up if it's a social welfare payment or however they get paid they pick it up in cash and then they deal with cash and they don't have so there are people now it's a small proportion of people but there are people who don't have any form of bank accounts at all and as I say it hasn't got anything anything at all uh, to do with hiding they're not trying to hide anything and then this is on people going out to buy items whether you're going into a shop to buy it or whether you're buying it online Patricia I wonder how many people know that some businesses are out of stock of particular items. And I'll give you an example. Says this texture, I needed a heater. I went online to see where I could get one. But most places simply said out of stock. Then I started looking around and it turns out there were a number of items that goods are simply not available. The reason for it is they're not available from the manufacturer and they won't be available until the European countries open up again. And that's that's a good point to make because we're seeing lockdowns in other countries. Now, in this country, manufacturing hasn't closed down this time. It did close down the first lockdown. But in other countries, their lockdowns are much stricter and some manufacturing plants are closing down. And obviously, if you close down a manufacturing plant for a period of time, the knock-on effect is that they're not going to have stock in order to send out. So we are going to see In some items, I don't know if it's going to be electrical, but there will be areas where there will be a delay with stock being being made again and then the shipping of it and getting it to two different countries. And I know weeks ago I heard a report from a city in China called, it was called EU. Don't know how you spell it, but it it sounded just like EU. And it's kind of known as the Christmas town because it's where they hold all of the big fairs, Christmas fairs every year. And they hold them in February and March. And when suppliers, manufacturers, companies and shops from all over the world descend on this little town, or the little town, now it's probably a big town, in China, and they pick what they want to get for the following year. But obviously... In February and March of this year, they didn't have any of those trade fairs because EU, like Wuhan and like a lot of the other cities and towns in China, were in very strict lockdown and manufacturing stopped and all of that. And because of that, there was a warning went out that there's going to be a short supply of singing Santa Clauses. Some people have said that's good news. And sort of any of that very decorative Christmas decorations that you buy, you know, some of the larger ones, even some of the smaller ones that you put up in your Christmas tree. Because if you look at the majority of those, where are they made? Made in China. So they are going to be, they will, they, some of them will be in short supply. So it only makes sense that other items that are made in other countries across Europe, if they shut down manufacturing for any period of time, then absolutely, it's only fair to say that they, we are going to end up in a situation where there will be 
short short supply of some items that doesn't mean that we all rush out by the way and start buying toilet rolls because it was never going to be a question the toilet rolls were going to go into short supply 1850 333103 and here's a WhatsApp in uh, it's kind of one of these dilemmas I suppose and I'm interested for listeners views on what you would suggest that Johnny should do Johnny writes to say I would love to bring up the major issue of people defrauding social welfare. I know of a family close where I live who have reared five children while claiming on claiming to be on a disability allowance. I know for a fact that the person was working for the past 25 years. I actually have photographs of this man involved. The money went towards buying new vehicles and it's still ongoing. But how do I report it, says Johnny. What is the process to report what I feel is an awful shameful crime particularly in a time when families are going homeless because of the lack of money in our society and yet we have this man claiming to be disabled and he's out walking for miles when it's dark and he thinks that nobody knows I have the evidence but where do I turn with it if I report it on a social welfare website you cannot submit photos says Johnny so he's obviously gone on to the Department of Social Welfare website and there's no way to upload photographs so, so advice for Johnny. What would you do in a situation like that? When I read, when I read your WhatsApp, the first thing I was thinking of: you can have somebody. No, nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors in different houses. You don't know what this man's disability is. You can have hidden disabilities. Somebody can be claiming, legitimately claiming a disability allowance, and just because they're able to walk around and go walking in the dark and I don't know why this gentleman decides to go walking in the dark but he could have a hidden disability Johnny that you know nothing about he also could be on a type of payment whereby he's allowed to work so many hours a week there are some social welfare payments where you can work I think it's up to 20 hours a week. It was 19 hours, 19, 20 hours a week. So you don't know if that's the situation or not. But then there are also cases, and I'm not saying you're wrong, there are also cases of people who deliberately defraud the, the state. And by doing that, they're, they're stealing from all of us because they're not victimless crimes. Uh, because if you're defrauding the state, it's everybody's taxpayers' money is going to pay this person. If you are right, as you're claiming, somebody for 25 years claiming a disability allowance that Johnny reckons this person is not entitled to. I would be very surprised, though, if somebody had claimed an allowance for 25 years and was actually working. I mean, they couldn't have been working and paying taxes at the same time unless they were working on the black market. So I'm not taking, I'm not saying, Johnny, that you're wrong. But just you don't know unless you have been, you know, this family really well, which I'm assuming you don't. But you never know. I'm always slow to jump in and point an accusing finger at somebody. And I remember many years ago sitting in actually in this studio, speaking with somebody from one of the local St. Vincent de Paul groups. And it was the run up to Christmas and it was during the when we were back in the recession, it was during the dark days after the the Celtic Tiger bust and times were really hard for people. And we were talking, I was talking with this gentleman about Vincent de Paul and the work they were doing and they were talking about, he was talking about how families that in previous years would have donated money to them and suddenly now 
you know, they had to swallow their pride and pick up the phone and contact Vincent de Paul and say, we need money this Christmas. You know, we need money to pay electricity bill. We need money so that Santa Claus can call to the children. You know how difficult that was for people. And in the middle of it, somebody contacted the programme to say that they saw somebody from St. Vincent de Paul calling into a neighbour's house and they couldn't, couldn't believe it. This neighbour, they too huge cars two big people carriers outside the door and they had these gorgeous Christmas, big Christmas tree and sure it was lit up you'd see it on Mars and how could this family be in need of St Vincent de Paul and I remember putting that point to this gentleman and he said you never know you can look at a family and the outward signs are they have absolutely everything and everything's fine but nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors nobody knows you know families in neighbourhoods will put on a great act as if everything is fine but they could be really really struggling so that's why I'm and that story always sticks with me you never know what's going on in individual families so I'm always just I'm always thought to start when people want to start pointing the finger of blame at somebody but if it's a genuine fraud case I would be the first one to say get into social welfare and let them know but you need as to submitting photographs I have no idea how you would go about doing that Johnny 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs A delivery van driver is required that's in the West Cork area while a rigid truck driver is wanted this time it's for the North Cork area uh, carers and cleaning staff are required it's for Brookfield Care Centre that's in Leem Lara and experienced fast food assistants and a kitchen porter wanted for a takeaway in Bandon. You'll find all the details and many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Feed Cork is a charitable organisation that helps out struggling families by providing them with nutritious food and it's branching out and opening up a new satellite location in Bandon. Volunteer Director of Feed Cork, Sharon Mullins joins me. Good morning to you Sharon. Good morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and great to chat to you again. Now I suppose talk to me a little bit about food poverty. How big a problem is food poverty here in Cork? Um, well, it's, it's, it was bad before. It's much worse now because of the pandemic and so many people and the PUP payment. Um, so I suppose like the people we're trying to reach are people in their homes, um, people who are, you know, maybe working and just are put to the pin of their collars. You know what I mean? That's like they're paying for everything, but not much left at the end of the week. And it's almost like... It's the one way they can save a bit of money. If there's an electricity bill or the rent has to be paid or the mortgage has to be paid, everything gets paid. And then suddenly you go to do your supermarket shop and there's very little left in the kitty. Exactly. And you know, the other thing, Patricia, if you have something unexpected happens, like you end up taking, you have to go to the doctor. I mean, you know, something like that. If you don't have a medical card or whatever, you're talking 60 euros straight away. So that's a big jump. You know, like anything could happen. You might have a car, the tyre goes in it. Anything can happen. And I think even September with the kids going back to school, you know what I mean? So anything can happen and you could be put to the pin of your collar. So this is a way really of, I suppose, um, you know, we, we do provide the nutritious basket of food. It will get you through a couple of days. Do you know what I mean? So and, I mean, would you, would, you, would you go so far as to say people are going to bed hungry? 
Oh, I absolutely would, yeah. I mean, we, we've spoken with, um, I, like we say, my somebody in Cork City, one of the schools in Cork City that we've been dealing with. Um, you know, we've had a liaison teacher tell us that she can hear their stomachs grumbling in the morning. I'm not saying it's everywhere, but it is happening. And, you know, something like, I suppose I never, I, I'm in my 50s, I never saw a hungry day. And that's the difference, I suppose. I, I see people now. Um, and even my own kids have never seen a hungry day, but we don't know what people are living with. You have people who are in addiction. You have lots of stuff going on in people's homes. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. And food could be the furthest thing from their mind if they're not well. You know what I mean? There's loads of reasons. Yeah, and as you say now, because of the pandemic, we're back in another lockdown. There's a cohort of people now who are back again on the PUP payments. And Mm -hmm. I know that the PUP payments is more generous than other social welfare payments. But if you've been used to having a lot more money coming into the house to cover all of the bills, the 300 or the 350 odd mightn't be enough to cover everything. Exactly, and that's that's just it. And they're worried about lots of other things. I mean, even the way it's affecting people mentally, do you know what I mean? That, you know, they don't know where to turn. There's a lot of embarrassment. We're typically Irish people. We never, we're very slow to ask for um, a bit of help. Yeah, I'm always saying it. We're great you know to help. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're at the forefront. If somebody is down on their luck and they need a help, helping hand or when there's big disasters, Ireland are one of the first countries where they're we're, we're so good to give. But whatever it is, and, and I don't think it's pride. I know some people say, oh, just swallow your pride and ask for help. People, we find it very hard. There's always, we all, I think we, we seem to think there's always somebody worse off than we are. Exactly. No, you said this, you know. I mean, we had people, I suppose, really in the last lockdown that you wouldn't even expect them to be coming to you. Do you know what I mean? I shouldn't be shocked at anything at this stage because I'm three years into it. So I shouldn't be shocked at anything. But I still was shocked last time. And it's very upsetting, even when you're working with it. Do you know what I mean? To think that people are in this situation and, you know, that is majority is out of their control. So I think, like, what we can do is, even if it's only a small amount of people we're helping, we just want to do it. Well done. And, you know, well done. there's absolutely and just no judgment. Outli- outline up in a car makes no difference. You know what I mean? We have a drive through in the city on a Thursday, so we're very happy. You know, as I say, there's no judgment. All we ask people to do is to um, just adhere to the guidelines. And um, we do have, I suppose, you know, we do register everybody. So we do ask you to bring ID and register. We have an app that somebody built for us a couple of years ago not shared with anybody but it allows it allows us to go back to um, food cloud and say well this this is the um, these are the kind of people we're helping now you know what I mean because mm. we'd have families individuals the amount of the amount of individual men you know men on their own you know you'd be so surprised um you know looking for help as well single men left yeah, yeah. Be sh- I, like I was totally shocked at that you know what I mean because again all you're thinking all the time is families 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 but look you could have somebody in an apartment there and they're paying whatever they could be handing out like more than half their social welfare in um, in a uh, rent every just, week just we to rent. keep the roof yeah, over their head you know head. what I mean yeah and that could be just a room sharing a kitchen or something you just don't know the situations that people are living in so just outline how Feed Cork works Um. so how Feed Cork works where, where do you well, get the food 
the food comes from food cloth. It also comes from, we have different partners. We have Marks and Spencer's, Tesco, Aldi, Lidl, uh, Deals. We also had uh, a gentleman last lockdown come in and provide us with um, a meal that could be given to, uh, for children, maybe to heat up in a microwave or whatever. It was Brook food, so you get the best of quality. Um, and he's still providing that food to us. You know, it didn't stop, thank God. So we have it from lots of different places. Um, so, and it's, it's, you know, we follow all the guidelines. So a lot of us that are dealing with the food are HACCP trained as well. Okay. And we have, so we you have make a up a bag. that are unbelievable. You make you know? up a bag of food if it's for a family of four or if it's for, as you say, a man on his own. You make up a, like a food parcel that will keep them going for three days. Is that, is that the that's, theory? That, that's, that's the theory behind it. But what we've actually started to do since the lockdown was we give everybody a family basket. Okay. And we say the, maybe the man who's on his own, we'd ask him to come back every second week. That way then it allows us to um, get food to more people, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it does. You know, it so, does, yeah. So that's, and I mean, the thing is, you know, the fresh stuff they'll go through, but they'll have things like tea and coffee and sugar and cereal because they put in two boxes of cereal. So that might last, you know, a guy on his own a bit longer, you know, and we'd also have like, you know, the baskets that we're handing out at the moment. Um, you know, we get, we have fresh veg in it every week. We have fruit in it every week. So, and we have lots of breads. Um, we're just absolutely blessed with the people who support us, you know. And... Why have you decided to extend your service out to West Cork? You were a city base. You are city based. Yeah, we're city based, but the plan was always to go to Bandon because somebody approached us in Bandon over a year ago, and um, it just it fell by the wayside really because the person who was interested in doing it, I think, moved on. To my knowledge, he moved on. But then the next issue was um, the location. Then COVID happened, and all of a sudden. About a week and a bit ago, I um, hamper or pastor, the pastor in inside Feed Cork. Um, he's a director of Feed Cork, and he he had been somebody contacted him, um, volunteers that that they, you know they had been in touch with already, and they managed to locate a room in the city hall. In the town hall. The town. The hall, town yeah. hall. Sorry, yeah, the town hall yeah, in, in yeah, Bandon. So, yeah. so, to, so to anybody listening, it's for people in, in Bandon and beyond, down into West Cork. I'm assuming as well. Well, is you it? know what, though, if you transport, yes, yeah. Up, no, I presume because of the five kilometres, you know, oh, of course, there might be an issue at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But um, what? Even though God, that God knows that'd be an essential you know, journey, wouldn't it? I know. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like so, how does somebody contact you if they are if 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 they do think that this can help? Well, they can contact us on social media, uh, to direct message us on Facebook, or the other option is I'll give you a mobile number. Okay. Zero eight nine two two six nine four zero eight. Okay, and and you're on. Yeah, and so yeah, uh, absolutely, and social media under Feed Cork. Under Feed Cork. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the plan is to open on the twelfth of November. And it'll be yes. possibly just for an hour so that what we'll do is we book people in, which is what we do in Cork now. Everybody is booked in. You know, you can't just rock up, unfortunately, yeah. because it's, we have to keep everyone safe. You know what I mean? Like we, we've managed to keep everyone safe so far. So we don't want that to change. Our standards are pretty high. You know, we're very grateful to the volunteers because without the volunteers, none of this would happen. So all the food would be packed in Cork and taken down in a refrigerated van. 
And can the so, general public help you out in, in any way, Sharon? I you know, know what? No, we've, had, we've had actually, we've had so many offers of help on social media from the wonderful people of Bandon. But right at this moment, we're just going to work with this small group we have because okay. it's just, it's not safe for people. I know, I know. So, so you know, we're going to be very practical for now and... Um, I'm like the, the, the hygiene police, you know, walking around, making sure your mask is on. And because I feel responsible as a volunteer coordinator for the people we work with. Do, do you know what I mean? Okay, like yeah. they're, they're like, no one of them. I mean, all through the lockdown, we had a group of about six or seven guys that went in, packed, organised the food. We delivered the first time, but like, we just can't do it this time, you know. But they, like, we just have an amazing group of volunteers. People are so, so good and so willing to give up their time. Okay, and you're you're one of the backbones to to the group, uh, Sharon. Sure, I'm only part of the team. Now well, I know, I know, but you're 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 an amazing part. You're an amazing oh, cog in you. the wheel. You it's really it. are. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and we're okay. always here if we can be of any help to you, uh, Sharon. Great. And great as always, great as always to talk to you. Okay, thank you. Take care. God bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful Sharon Mullins from uh, Feed Cork. And somebody says, Hi, uh, Patricia. Just listening to Sharon there speaking to you on the radio about food poverty and how, you know, people can just, for no reason, for not their own reason, end up in a situation where just not enough money coming in uh, to the household. Can I suggest to people who find themselves in that situation, says this texter, to please contact their local MABS office for assistance, particularly if they're struggling to try to juggle all the bills, etc. I I did and they were of great help. Yeah, Babs. Wonderful, wonderful organisation. They are really fantastic. Thank you for that text to 0862 103 103. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Hi, this is Nick and I love the same songs that you love. Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen. Flash dance, what a feeling. feeling. I want to dance with someone by Whitney Houston. Papa don't preach. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As with a lot of support groups, the pandemic has had a huge impact due to restrictions on people meeting indoors. Can Talk, a community for emotional support for adults affected by cancer, have moved their support groups online. And to see how they're getting on, I'm joined by one of the founding members of Can Talk. That's uh, Jacqueline Jeffers. Good morning, Jacqueline. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very well, and you're welcome to the program. I know it's never the same as meeting somebody in person, but how are your support groups getting on since you reverted to online? Since going online, although it's different to in person, they're growing, which is great. Um, and I so it's just a different forum. But I suppose what we have noticed is is maybe some people who wouldn't have been able to have come to group, they might have been medically vulnerable to going to group before, are able to access the online service now, which is is nice, it's different. Now, some people who would have come in face-to-face wouldn't be very good with social media or sort of accessing social groups online. So so we've lost some some, some, uh, client users because of that. Um, It's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think, really, isn't it? Yeah, but there'll always be a plus. It will suit some people more than it will suit others. Just remind um, listeners, Jacqueline, you've got three different community groups. We have, yes. We, We work with any adults affected by cancer. So that would, one group um, is for adults with cancer, so diagnosed at any stage of diagnosis. The second group is for family members, carers, partners, parents of people with 
cancer diagnosis. The third group is for anyone bereaved by cancer diagnosis. And then we also run a fourth support group, which is a mindfulness group that anybody from any of those three groups or somebody who doesn't want to do that kind of group can sit in on the mindfulness group. Um, so we run those on a rotational basis every month. And uh, we run them on a Tuesday evening from 7.30 until 8.30. And Jacqueline, for those going through cancer treatment at the moment and people who've been, and there have been people, many people diagnosed during COVID-19, do they need more than ever emotional support? Well, we feel they do because like that, they're quite isolated. Even if they were going for treatments, they'd meet other, other cancer warriors on their journey at treatment centres but like that with social distancing everything is, is much less there um, so with, it, it would make sense that a lot more emotional support and sometimes just outside of the family to be able to talk about what's going on without feeling like you're more of a burden on a family member and that's for somebody either caring or in the brief group or, or with a cancer diagnosis and there's a lot of social isolation as well um, you know, a lot of the, the people with cancer are having to cocoon or family members yeah. are having to support that. I know the bubble has been really helpful for some of that, but it's isolated an awful lot of people from community support generally. Yeah, and that's where a group like yours will yeah. really come to the fore. I mean, for that group that are cocooning and are not allowed, and there are so many people going through cancer treatment at the moment who are saying that they can't leave their own homes because they're yeah. protecting themselves that's where a group like yours can really kick in. Yeah, and it means that they can chat together. They all share the same problems. Some days you know, it's about laughing, some days it's about crying. But it's just about having a place where you know that the people who are with you have an idea of what's going on for you. Everybody's a little bit different, but you're sharing a journey. And that can be hugely valuable when people are feeling so isolated. I imagine great friendships have been, yeah. have been formed. Yeah, we've seen that. And yeah. that's probably one of the nicer parts of having worked with this for the last five and a half years now is that we've seen some really strong friendships come out of the groups, um, which would never have formed if, if they hadn't come to the group. And that's lovely. And you're now hoping to offer low-cost counselling in the coming weeks. Talk to me about yeah. that, Jacqueline. Yeah, it's just, when we started, our mission was to, to be able to encompass counselling as part of it. But like that working from a room with a you know, with fundraising. We've never had the finances to be able to rent a room to offer one-to-one. But it's just with online now, we've got four counsellors who work within the service and volunteer their time. And because they're all working online, yeah. they can that service can be made more available to them. Um, so since we're in the process of, of just doing the last bit of setting up with that and hoping over the next maybe three weeks or so to be able to open up that service. Now, we'll all be online as well. Um, but it, it just means that people will have access to a counselling service that hasn't been otherwise available. People, some people aren't happy going into groups. They just are uncomfortable or they're a bit nervous, um, but they still might want support. And that's where we feel the counselling will be a great backup to what we're already providing. OK, so if anybody would like to contact um, your group, Can Talk, how do, how do they contact you? Yeah, we've got a phone number, which is 89 239 0863 or they can email at uh, cantalk15 at gmail.com or they can go to the website and all of that information is on the website. It's www.cantalk.ie. And the fact now that you are online, I mean, you had been holding all of your meetings in Mallow. Can people from outside the area now join in as well? 
Yeah, essentially we can cover countrywide now. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, the county isn't the limit and we don't have to worry about the five kilometres. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, literally countrywide is, is possible now. So I suppose what we're in the process of doing now that we've got the groups established because we had to do a bit of training to bring that on board, we were just about to open up in Samoy before um, lockdown. Yeah. So that all of that's gone by the by. I, I, realistically, I don't think we'll be able to do in in sort of in-room face-to-face groups until there's a vaccine um, because a lot of our clients would be very vulnerable medically. So I think the online is going to be around for a while yet. Um, but it, it just means that our area of service is, is much broader now, much, much broader. And fundraising? Fundraising has gone by the by for yeah. the last year. Yeah, we had a concert that we were organising in May. We had to put on hold. So um, we're looking at doing a, a a fundraising raffle in a couple of weeks time just to see if we can get enough funds in to get us through um, we've enough to get us to about May but after that we're going to be really stuck so we're going to see what we can do about getting um, some fundraising from a raffle online well and we're beginning to approach some businesses but businesses are under a lot of pressure yeah yeah Listen, you're a brilliant uh, group. Continued uh, good luck. Can talk at cantalk.ie. Jacqueline, we'll speak again in the meantime. Thank you Thank for that. You so Stay much. safe. Thank Thanks for Take joining care. us. Bye bye. That is Jacqueline Jeffers, who is one of the founding members of Can Talk, which offers motor support to anyone whose lives have been touched in any way by cancer. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. In particular, looking for your questions for Annalise, please, our nutritional therapist. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We're constantly uh, asking people and telling people to please do your very best to shop local and we need to shop local this year more than ever. And while a lot of businesses are closed at the moment because of lockdown, check and see. There's a lot of them have moved online. Others are doing a click and collect uh, service and we know how important a, a thriving local economy is and I know at the moment we've uh, hooked up and we're been supported by McCarthy Insurance a Group where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance and you can see more on mig.ie and they're the sponsors of our campaign at the moment just to try to get people out and to shop local. Well, here's a great way that you can shop local and you're also at the same time supporting a group of transition year students because Mary Collity from Newmarket and I hope we're keeping well Mary has sent in a most gorgeous gift for my daughter Marcia, and it is let me describe this to you it is a clear glass mug and it's got Marcia's name on it and a pumpkin like a Halloween pumpkin pumpkin on it it's all wrapped up in lovely cellophane and inside in it what oh, looks like it's treats it looks like homemade cookies I think is on the inside of it. And actually I can feel through the plastic. Marcia's going to love it because being blind, everything is touched to her. And because of the way that it's her name and the pumpkin has been painted onto, it's almost done like a stained glass. It's slightly raised. So I can, I can actually feel it through the plastic so she'll be able to feel it as well. And there's a note in from Mary Collity to say it's a transition year group called Mugalicious. Isn't that a great name? And it's three transition year students from Kaloshitrasa in Kanturk and they set up this mini company of making hand-painted mugs filled with treats and it's mugs for all occasions and the students are Abby Reynolds, Ashlyn O'Hanlon and Aoife O'Brien and they have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and you could check them out on Mugalicious. Uh, the let me see their Instagram is muggalicious.ct their Twitter is muggalicious underscore ct they're on TikTok at muggalicious and they're on Facebook at muggalicious <laughs> it's fantastic it's just a great little little idea and at the same time it's helping it's keeping money in the local economy and these are the young entrepreneurs of the future so well done to Abby to, uh, to Ailish and to Aoife and uh, I'm telling you Marcia we'll have great fun and I'll make her a nice cup of tea that she loves in your mug and she can dunk her biscuits into it and thank you to uh, to Mary Collity for thinking of Marcia with that really, really nice gift. Very, very much appreciated. 1850 Now there's lots of questions coming in for Annalise Drissel, a nutritional therapist. Keep those coming. She joins us after half past 12 today and I'll get through as many of those questions as I can. And I can see people reacting to my chat with Feed Cork. Hard to believe that people are going hungry. It's just heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. And you know, the point we were making you never know. It could be a family member that you're just not aware of who's really struggling financially at the moment or it could be a neighbour. So, you know, where you can, please try to reach out uh, to people. And then we had reaction to uh, Johnny who contacted us earlier 
because he claims he knows of somebody who lives in his area who's defrauding social welfare, has been doing it for 25 years, claiming to have a disability. And he says there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's reared a family. He's always buying new big cars and he's on social welfare working at the same time. He's out walking at night and there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. And he wants, he's got photographic evidence and he wants to pass it on to social welfare and he can't upload the photograph and he was looking for advice uh, on it. I did say I'm slow to point the finger because you just don't know what's happening in other people's lives. Number of people not impressed with Johnny and the fact that he would want to, as somebody said, dob anybody in when he doesn't know the complete story, including somebody. And there were some comments I can't read out because of the nature of what's said in the comments. A North Cork listener says, tell that fellow Johnny who wants to report that man who walks at night time and is supposed to be defrauding the social welfare to cop himself on. He doesn't know the circumstances of that family. And by the way, Patricia, the town I live in is full of people defrauding social welfare. So it does go on. But you just don't know circumstances and what's happening with people. And then on clothes and why do people need to buy clothes and why people are upset that they can't buy clothes at the moment. Morning, Patricia. What is the wrong with the world in which we are living in at the moment? And why do people need to be buying all these clothes? Surely people have enough clothes to wear for a few weeks. The end of the day, the lockdown is only for six weeks. I think the lockdown has taught me that we can live a very simple life We don't need half the stuff we have and therefore we don't need to be rushing out and buying another load of stuff that we don't really need. And Patricia, by the way, I'm one of those people. I don't have a bank account. Three cheers for Bantry Credit Union. Good on the credit unions. They are great. You're not on your own. There are a lot of people who who are surviving without a bank account. But if you don't have a bank account, there's a knock on then if you're trying to buy items on uh, Lime. And thank you also to a number of people say, yes, they did get a letter about the property tax and a new market it said we got a property tax letter on Friday so the letters are out. Others are saying they got a letter but their neighbours didn't so whether it's they're coming out at different stages you know the very fact you mention it now you'll probably get one in the post if you were due one but the local property tax due to be paid for you pay it a year in advance and it was it's due on the 1st of November just gone so if you haven't paid it you're out of date your, your letter is on its way to you. On school buses Someone says, there is a CIE school bus that leaves the copying area every morning. 52 children on the board bound for three different schools in McCroom. No social distancing. They have been promising to provide extra buses now for over two months, but nothing yet has happened. And we discussed this at the start of the school term in September. When just about a week out from the school's reopening, it was decided that they were going to introduce social distancing on the secondary school buses, not on the primary school buses. And we knew immediately there was no way the bus errand was going to get, well, they certainly weren't going to be able to get enough buses within a week. And they did say to us that they were then starting the process that school would start, everybody would get on the school bus, everyone that was entitled to be on the school bus. And then they were in the process of trying to get extra buses and extra drivers in order to allow for social distancing. They did say it would would take quite some time. And obviously from that particular text, we are now gone past midterm. Schools restarted again today and they still haven't managed to get all of the buses. We'll put, we'll, we'll send an email, i get John Paul to send an email to Bus Aaron just to see where they are with the school buses and how close are they to making sure that everybody who's entitled to be on a school bus, this, it is for secondary schools, are they introducing when are they hoping to social distancing in where everyone will be able to have a seat and, and be spaced out. But to that listener who's talking about 
that area of McCroom. You're not on your own. I guarantee if I opened the phone lines, I would probably get many other areas across all parts of the county that would have similar stories that a bus in their area, they still haven't got social distancing because they haven't put on the additional buses. 1850 And I know John Paul sorted this out. A gentleman contacted us this morning to say they were, he was having dreadful trouble trying to access a solicitor through, the, through free legal aid. And he was saying that he was going to the centres and they were all closed and that he was having a huge problem. He's got a child in care and he signed it a heartbroken dad. He said, please don't read out my name, which obviously we won't do. Now, John Paul contacted him and we have sorted it out for anybody who is in need. The free legal aid centres, because of restrictions of social distancing, they're not doing walk-in services like they used to do before. You need to ring them in advance and obviously make an appointment. I don't know whether they'll deal with you over the phone or you can make an appointment to go in to see them. But to anybody trying to access free legal aid, for people who like that gentleman who contacted us in a really, really bad state uh, because he needs the free legal aid ASAP in order to deal with an issue to do with his child. If you ring them up, they are available and they are working with families and they are working with people, but you need to phone them. You can't just call in in uh, person. Okay, what else is coming into us by uh, text? Hi, Patricia. I agree 100% with one of your early contributors, Mary. I have three grandchildren. Every Christmas, I I buy them PJs, which I think is a lovely thing for grannies to do, to buy pyjamas for the small ones for Christmas. Anyway, I buy them PJs every year as a present. I don't have a bank account. I'm also in that category. You can get 50 people into pennies in Tralee or in Killarney and you wouldn't even see them in there. The store is so big can't understand why the st- why the shops like that are closed now I don't go outside the door as I have an underlying health condition so I have to get a family member to get them for me and to help them out and now obviously because all those shops are closed I can't get the pyjamas that I want to get for my grandchildren yet if I want to I could buy chocolate I could buy wine I could buy beer no problem at all it's all a bit of a joke says uh, Maura. Thank you to you and your team for keeping me sane in all this madness. And you know something else, Maura? If you wanted to buy a little coat for your dog, you'd be able to buy that. But you can't get pyjamas for your grandchildren. But hold off. You know, if the six weeks, if we do run to the end of the six weeks of lockdown, the shops will be open. It will be a bit of a scramble in December. But you'll have plenty of time. You'll be able to get those fantastic pyjamas for your grandchildren. And they love you dearly, Granny, for the pyjamas. And they'll remember you for all the Christmases and all the gorgeous pyjamas as you bought them every single year. Hi, Patricia, says a different Mary. Has anybody else noticed that there is not the usual crop of haws this year? They seem much paler, not the red splash like previous years. Anybody else notice that? And I think because people are going out within their five kilometres for their walk, I think people are starting to notice nature more than they ever did before. Has anybody else noticed that there isn't the usual crop of haws? Somebody now in the know will let us know. Maybe it's too early. Maybe somebody will agree with Mary that for whatever reason they are paler. Could it be that we didn't get a good summer? Could that have anything to do with it? Couldn't please have anything to do with coronavirus for sure. Anyway, let us know if anybody else has noticed what Mary has noticed. Not the usual glut of halls and that they are, the ones that are there are paler than they have been on previous years. 1850-333-103 or you can text her WhatsApp 86 103 Here's a A listener having an issue, well, had an issue with their doctor. Hi, Patricia. I had an appointment at my doctor's surgery. 
10 o'clock this morning. Oh God, it was a miserable morning this morning to be out and about for sure. Got to the door and there was an elderly gentleman standing outside shivering. He went in ahead of me and I had to wait outside for a full half an hour. I was five minutes in there. I was only there for an eye test report. Got charged 40 euro. I was disgusted. I did question it. Then the receptionist said, oh, by the way, you owe five euro for a blood test that was taken two years ago. That was me after handing her my 40 euro. It's a disgrace that this is happening. People out there with other illnesses and they have to stand outside in the rain and in the cold. This has to stop virus or no virus. People are getting fed up with this lockdown. Numbers are low. Let's get on with life and let's get on with it now. I lost my job over this virus and I've been told I'm not entitled to any money. I work 15 hours a week as I'm on a disability allowance and I don't have enough credits to get illness benefits. I'm now back living on €200 a week. Wow. That is tough going. Why? Okay, if you're on €200 Euro a week on a disability allowance, you, you surely have a medical card. I'm just trying to, okay, the €5 Euro for the blood everyone has to pay on a medical card or not. Why did you ha- why were you paying €40 Euro for an eyesight test if you had a medical card? I'm a bit, I'm, I'm scratching my head on that one. I pay for the bloods, yes, everybody on medical cards now have to pay for the bloods. I don't quite understand why you paid the €40 Euro if you want to clarify that. But on your the other issue that you're raising, I'm assuming is becoming a problem now that we're getting into the winter months and the weather is starting to turn. When you go to your GP, you can't just walk in. I know most GP consultations now are done over the phone, but not everything can be done over the phone. You do need to call in person. And in all GP practices now, I know in my GP practice, when you have an appointment, you ring to tell them you're downstairs. But luckily I drive, so I can do that from the comfort of my car. But not everybody drives, I'm aware of that. And if you're standing around outside, and as I say, this morning was a bitterly cold, wet morning as well. 1850 And there's people talking about an issue that we raised earlier about GAA matches and some people not showing respect for the for the singing of the national anthem, wasn't it? Some people were saying that that people should show more respect and that, that they felt watching it on TV yesterday that there wasn't a full amount of respect showing by some of the players. Someone else says, what about all the players that have to travel home to go for a shower? Where is the health and safety in all of that? They're not allowed anymore to take a shower and that they have to go home in their car. Not much health and safety there. Hi, Patricia. The referee had the ball thrown in yesterday evening when the national anthem was still playing. This is what happens when you have a CD instead of a live musician. And that could be the reason for it, says that uh, texter. 1850-333-103. And there was another one on the... Roy in Ballyfahan said the conditions yesterday for playing hurling was... I was watching the Tipperary match. It was atrocious uh, conditions. Anyway, Roy says, was really so bad. Credit to, to all of the players and the managers for giving us the enjoyment of being able to watch a live match yesterday. But I do agree. People need to start wearing masks correctly. But with the conditions so poor yesterday... We We were lucky that we even had players out there playing on the pitch. But I do agree with some of your previous callers who mentioned about showing respect for our national anthem. I think if a team does not sing, 
or show full respect for the national anthem, they should be fined. 1850-333-103. And just one final one on the restrictions in the five kilometres in which we're currently in. Miriam in Bandon. I was watching the date late on Friday night, says our Miriam. Why was Daniel O'Donnell live in studio? Why was he able to travel beyond, beyond his five kilometres? He travelling from Donegal. Why are some allowed and others are not? It doesn't set a good example. Also, Davy Fitz and Brian Cody all travel beyond five kilometres at the weekend for their GAA games. They have main jobs as well. The GAA is only part time, so they should not be have been allowed to travel five kilometres. Well, anyone allowed, anyone connected with the match, be it the players or the backroom team, are allowed to travel. They're exempt from the regulations. For Daniel O'Donnell he was on the late late I'm, no, I didn't see him but I'm assuming he was on to talk about his new CD was that it work reasons remember you're allowed to travel outside your five kilometres for work reasons so I'm assuming that that probably was the reason Daniel was allowed to ch- allowed to chat because he'd been on in the last lockdown and they did it over like Skype or a Zoom call I've seen him do that before. I've seen him do it online, but I'm assuming it would be because it was for work. 1850 103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And another mention to Can Talk that we spoke with earlier today, the support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group now continues online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at half past seven. If you'd like more details, you can check out their website on cantalk.ie or call them at 089-2390-863. Cove GAA are continuing their online Zoom bingo. It's on every Sunday night, so the next one next Sunday, 8th of November at 8pm. You can check out their Facebook page for details or you can go to the Cork Diary section on the C103 website page. A lot of people are getting very annoyed about the National Anthem and people not some of the players not showing respect in particular yesterday at the matches even though somebody's saying look God that's, the weather was so bad yesterday uh, Sean also agrees Sean in North Cork about the National Anthem he reckons helmets should be taken off as a mark of respect when the National Anthem has actually been played and thank you to Jerry in Bandon a farmer in the know this is reacting to the listener who was wondering about the haws that they're not seeing the same amount of haws this year there isn't an abundance of haws and that they're a paler colour than normally the bright splash of red that you get at this time of the year. Uh, Jerry says what he reckons has happened certainly in his area. He said we had two very bad storms in August and it swept the berries off many of the trees and that's why there isn't so many haws this year. Jerry says when you're in farming you come obser- you become observant and you notice these things. And I mentioned, thank you for that Jerry. I mentioned the three transitioning students at Kalosh de Trassa and their Mugalicious, their little mini company where they're doing these fantastic hand-painted mugs filled with treats for all occasions and you can, you know, get onto them and they'll write anything that you want on the mug. Somebody says, how do you spell mugs? I can't seem to find it on Facebook and they do because I have a little tag and they do have a Facebook page. So it, it's Mugalicious, M-U-G-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S and their Facebook page is just at Mugalicious and then on Twitter and on Insta it's Mugalicious either dot CT for Colosse de Trassa or underscore CT on their Twitter account but it's Mug the Mug as an M-U-G and then Mugalicious I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. 
S. And I imagine if you also contact Colossia Trassa in Cantork directly, they'll be able to put you in contact with the girls as well. And we wish the girls luck with it. It's great to see a little group like that. And it's it's all to do with shopping local as well, is it not? OK, Bernard Moynihan uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Bernard. Patricia, uh, I'm very well. You you contacted the programme and this is an issue, funny enough, that myself and John Paul were talking about in the office before I came on air because we're getting a lot of calls. John Paul obviously picks up the flack on this more than I do. A lot of calls from people who are suffering from loneliness. Well, absolutely. Like, there's a, you know, even yesterday now with the matches, we were talking about Davy Fitz and Brian Cody and the different fellas involved in the, in the hurling and the football yesterday and Mark... Or Mark or to also share, I mean, the lift that that gave yesterday that people were able to watch those matches, um, I spoke to several people and they were delighted that the GA was back because it gave them a chance to kind of reconnect with with uh, kind of some degree of normality. There are people out there who are contacting me and I've been talking to them fairly regularly who, you know, they're not on Facebook, they might not be on Twitter, they might not, you know, go into the paper, going for the paper, when you go for the paper now, you have to wear a mask. When you go to the shop, the super value or whatever, you can't talk to anybody really. You kind of have to go in, go out, do your business. You know, it is impacting on even the mart, you know, in Cantork, which was a virtual mart last week. Everything was sold in the mart without, you know, and there was no interaction of the public really. And I watched it on the computer and it was very good, very interesting, but... There's a huge amount of people who go to the market on a Tuesday just to see the cattle fail, just to engage, and they talk to the usual people and they go for a drink or they do a bit of shopping in Cantork or whatever. It's like there is, you know, in my view, there's a social impact of the lockdown. And I'm hoping to the past, and I hope, I'm hoping everybody will get through it safely. But certainly, you know, the farming community, I remember in 2013, 2012, were very particularly bad years in farming, particularly west of Cantork, where the land is a bit softer than east of Cantork. And, you know, the farmer who was able to go to the pub at night and whatever, he realised that his neighbour was in the same boat as himself and he didn't feel too bad about it. But certainly, uh, I, I detect that people need to be a bit, let's be kinder to themselves and, you know, kind of, you know, because it, it, this lockdown is, is, is tough going for some people. Yeah, and, you know, I can see on the screen that you'd made the point here that the message, we're all in this together. And yet, for some people, are are not we're not in this together. For some people, they're feeling very very isolated. Yeah, very isolated. I mean, I I have to put my hand up. You know, up up to March of last year, I couldn't do Zoom or Skype or you know, I was pretty 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 poor at technology. And I'm in mid fifties now at this stage, so you can imagine somebody in their seventies trying to master. Zoom, a Zoom call, yeah. Skype yeah. call, trying to master Facebook, trying to master Twitter and all those kind of different, those new platforms we're all kind of engaged with now on a daily basis. So I, I, think, that the, 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 I think that the people who wake up in the morning and are wait, waiting there for their phone to ring, it's not going to happen because there's not a lot of, most people are communicating now by email, by Twitter, by Facebook, by all the different, you can read the papers in the morning at seven o'clock. You know, so I, I just think that there's a, a generation of people out there who might be living on their own or might be, you know... They're forgotten. They're forgotten. And I, I mean, I what was heartbreaking need... for me a couple of weeks ago was the listener who contacted us who sent the posters a letter to themselves just so that the postman would call. And I just thought that was heartbreaking. Absolutely, like, and I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you know, I know of a situation last week where three or four farmers met 
in one guy's computer to hurdle around the computer to watch the marathon progress in Cantork. Now, that was much more dangerous, in my view, than they going along and be socially distanced at the mart, watching the marathon operation from up on the stand. That's a good point. That's and a good point. You know, They'd be socially distanced if they were at the mart, where if they're all huddled around one computer in somebody's back kitchen. That is happening, like. There is no yeah. question that there are people... There might be one one of the crew who is uh, literate or has, is able to get on the system. No, it takes a bit of, you know, my first time getting on the MART system in Cantork. And I want to compliment, by the way, the, the management and the staff of Cantork MART for the great work that they do. But certainly my first time getting on the system, it was, it was you know, getting it on, getting the message, being able to hear it and all that. It took a bit of while to get to work it. But certainly there are people, you know, I think the MART now is, is, a, is a perfect example of something that the government should look at to make it happen, because I see Dan McCarthy from Kinmare is on there regularly about it, because it, 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 a lot of people who go to the market to sell cattle, buy cattle, let's, let's be honest, the beef trade, there's not a huge amount of money in it, but it's a huge social aspect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And can we get the message out to uh, people about Senior Line, which is a confidential listening service for older people, and it's provided by trained older volunteers, so when you ring, you're talking to an older person, it could be somebody in, in the same age group as yourself, and they're open Seven days a week from ten a.m. to ten p.m. If there are any, if there's anybody listening who just wants to hear another human and you just want to talk to somebody, it's one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. So it's a Absolutely. free phone number. And I would say I would say to people who are listening, you know, if there are free phone numbers and if they are available, they should use them. Yeah, yeah. Or try and recreate contacts with old colleagues or people they worked with or whatever. Because reach out, reach out, reach out, and let people know that you're feeling lonely. Yeah, absolutely. Because people are busy and might not even realise what's going on going you know, on in your life. In, in, like, say, in, in my business now, it's all 24-7, go, 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 answering phones and, you know, following up and stuff and getting on with stuff. Where some people, like, are retired, might be 75 years of age. They might be used to going to the cards on a Wednesday night. They might be used to going to somebody else on a Friday night. They might have a Saturday or something else. All those things are gone. 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 Yeah, can't well, even you know. can't even go down to the local pub for for a you know a quick swift one or a pint. Yep. All right, listen. Well done for raising it, Barner. Thank you for that, no and uh, thanks for joining us once again. The number for senior line. If you'd like to talk to somebody, one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. This is the Court Today replay on C one hundred three. Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Please. And you are very uh, welcome. Are you, you're open, aren't you? You're open for business? Yes, we are open. It's actually quite confusing this time around, Patricia. I mean, we opened even at the height of the lockdown at the beginning because as an essential service health food shop, we could stay open. But actually quite a few little businesses are still open that people don't, you know, it's a bit confusing, I think, this time around. So cafes and restaurants can stay open if they can do takeaways. And so there's at least there's a bit of a buzz around where I am. It's not like ghost town the way it I was know, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can see that there are people. I mean, I was out doing my shopping at the weekend and there were, even though there wasn't as many shops open, but there's a buzz. There's still a lot of people out and about. There's still people trying to get out and do their shopping. And that's what it's all about, shopping local and keeping money in the local economy. Absolutely, as much as possible. And that's one great thing, I suppose, that's come out of COVID overall, Patricia. I think people have been hugely supportive of local business. I can certainly say that about my customers and I'm very grateful for it because we wouldn't survive without it, you know. Okay, let's get straight into questions. A couple of people have got some eye issues going on. Ellen says, I get inflamed eyelids with dry eyes. What would Annalise suggest? 
Gosh, now, there could be a lot of reasons for that, Patricia. Um, with, first of all, the dry eye. Now, dry eye can be very common if you're not producing enough lubrication to lubricate your eyes. And this can happen as you get older. It's also part of a syndrome called Sorgren's syndrome, where the mucus-producing membranes aren't producing enough lubricant mucus. It also could be as a result of spending too much time on a screen. So they recommend that if you're working on a computer, every 20 minutes you take a break for at least three minutes and rest your eyes on something else because the blue light is very damaging for eyes. It could be allergies. It could be at this time of the year, if you're kind of allergic, it's more likely to be mold that uh, would thrive in these kind of wet and damp conditions, especially at the moment because it's so mild. So people who've got mold allergies are in a lot of trouble at the moment. Um, It could be other allergies. It could be allergies to dust or to um, pets that could be causing the irritation. So the key really is to try and figure out what is the cause of it. And then if you're looking to treat dry eye, one of the best things to do is to take either um, a fish oil supplement or a supplement that has got some omega-7 in there. So the fish oils will give you omega-3, which is always a lovely natural anti-inflammatory and immune balancer if there's allergic stuff going on. And then omega-7... Normally when you buy it in the shop, it comes from something called sea buckthorn. There are these little orange berries. And omega-7 is wonderful for the mucus-producing cells. And uh, it works at a very organic level to help lubricate eyes and other mucus membranes. And then you could use a natural eye um, drop, which would be the Dr. Vogel range actually do a couple of eye drops. And they're really, really soothing and lovely. They have a herb in there called Eyebrite which is wonderful for the health of the eye and a bit of hyaluronic acid, which will moisten and lubricate as well. But the key, I think, really is to figure out what's causing the problem. And then two people have same pro- similar problem with a sty. Hi, Patricia. My sister has a sty in her eye. It's after spreading now to the upper part of her eye. She's been on two antibiotics, but no real improvement. And Colm also has a problem with the sty. He said, while the pain of the sty is gone, the actual sty and the swelling is still there. Any cure? please. So again, probably no cure. Like a sty, often people are prone to them and you'll get them when you're run down and that's why people would often get a lot more maybe in the uh, winter months because immune systems are often struggling fighting other coughs and cold viruses instead. So there is no miracle cure really for styes. I think the big thing is to support your immune system throughout the winter months. Um, but the one thing that I do find for anything that's sore and inflamed is colloidal silver. So do you remember, Patricia, when we were young, if you scraped yourself, your mother would have put on mercurochrome. Now, obviously, that was high levels of mercury, which was toxic. But colloidal silver has the same antibacterial, antiviral effect. But it is the most tiny nanoparticles of silver that are so small, they actually can be suspended in water. They're so light. But they still have the same antibacterial effect. function even though there wouldn't be a, the silver wouldn't be able to reach toxic levels so I would use something like that I would spray it on the eyelid and let it dry in and I would do that at least three or four times a day and it will rapidly improve the um, the speed of healing for styes and also can help take the pain out and that colloidal silver is also wonderful for cold sores mouth ulcers if you're prone to sore throats, it's great for spraying on the back of the throat for uh, as an antibacterial there as well. So there's lots of different purposes to using colloidal silver in the home. 
everyone should have one in the medicine cupboard. Okay. All right. Uh, Also into us, a question for Annalise, please. My adult son has a scalp issue. Very itchy. There's a little bit of dry flakiness, but the main issue are red raised pimples, which are all over his scalp. He's tried every shampoo that I can find. I'm using oils, but they only give temporary relief. Any advice, please? So that sounds to me like an allergy, Patricia. And even though if you could, even though people would try shampoos that have no fragrances in there, the one chemical, actually there's three chemicals, but the major chemical that causes problems is one called sodium lauryl sulfate. And it acts as a foaming agent and an awful lot of us are allergic, me included, to that in a shampoo. So getting a shampoo that doesn't have that in it would be the first step. The other two chemicals that you'll often find in shampoos and um, body washes are limonene, L-I-M-O-N-E-N-E, and the other one is called linalool, N-I-L-A-L-O-O-L-L. And a lot of people are allergic to those two chemicals. Now, sodium lauryl sulfate isn't often in natural shampoos that you'll get in a health shop, but the other two chemicals, the limonene and the linalool, are. So you you have to get very careful at reading um reading the ingredients on different shampoos, even if they're natural. So there's two that I find work very well for people because they have none of those three chemicals. One is the Avogel Neem Shampoo. You'll get that in the health store. And the other one is the Salcura Omega-3 Rich Shampoo. So the two of those don't have any of those three chemicals. Plus they have the the Omega Rich one has a lot of lovely um, soothing, um, enriching natural ingredients, Patricia, that are great, very good for the dry scalp as well. So I go with that one first. Catherine says, hi uh, from Mallow. I have high blood pressure under control, but any time I go to the doctor for bloods and get it checked, it's always high. But when I'm out, I find it coming back down straight away. Is there anything I can do? That's that's common, isn't it? Very common. Yeah. yeah. They call it white collar that's it. blood pressure. So yeah. you're actually so stressed about your blood pressure being high that um, it, it goes up. Um, it goes up. So I wouldn't worry about that. It's Generally, if you've got a problem with your blood pressure, they'll put you on a 24-hour monitor. And that's important because it's important to see when it's going up and if it's related to particular times of the day, things that are unavoidable. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But other than that, Patricia, I wouldn't worry about that because it's what it is you know 95% of the time it's you'll you'll be fine you'll be fine and hi I'm at my wits end I'm in my 80s and I suffer from very hot feet legs and worst of all hot shins it's like I'm standing in front of a blazing fire all the time I do suffer from varicose veins which can be painful and uncomfortable are they all connected to circulation I can't sit near a fire or heat anymore because it gets unbearable any help would be gratefully appreciated please yeah this very, very common one, Patricia. That and a kind of the, the restless legs are two things that are really common for people. And um, there's a couple of things that could be at the, the heart of those problems. And it's a matter of trying all the different remedies to see which one will work best for you. So the first thing is actually iron deficiency can make your legs feel like that. So the best thing to do there would be make sure you go to your doctor, get your blood checked, have a look at your iron levels. And while they're doing it, get them to check your B12 levels as well. And if they're low, supplement them um, and see if that solves the problem. The second thing that it can often be is um, magnesium deficiency. This is probably more the case, I think, Patricia, with restless legs than the hot legs. But it's certainly worth a go. 
They'll go to the health shop and get a nice high dose of magnesium. You can also actually buy magnesium in creams and gels and sprays. And that can be a very good one because especially with the gel, you can put it in the fridge and uh, it gets lovely and cool and you can apply that and it will help bring the temperature down and the magnesium can get in and help with from internally, especially for restless legs as well. Okay. The next reason could be the varicose veins, actually, Patricia. So, yeah. Um, horse chestnut is the key for that. So you'll get in a health shop, you'll get horse, horse chestnut extract and Dr. Dealish Clare does a lovely cream with it in there. So you could try that as a rub or as, as a supplement. Okay, good luck with that, Annalise. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Thank Thanks you, for Patricia. joining us, Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub, Times Square in Ballincollig. Listen says, hi, libraries are closed. Why? They're dealing with a trickle of people only and bookshops closed as well. I have nothing to read. I think if you contact your local library, I'm sure libraries are doing click and collect. So I'd get on to them to sort you out with books. And someone else, a lot of people People supporting Daniel O'Donnell and saying how much they enjoyed Daniel O'Donnell on the late late. He made my night, said Teresa uh, in Coachford in these hard times. Tell that person, leave Daniel O'Donnell alone. He's only trying to make a living. And seemingly somebody else says that the reason he was on was to promote some concerts, some online concert he's doing for people who were out of work, you know, musicians and um, people behind the scenes. So it was, um, he's promoting a live concert to help his crew as they're out of work, says Bernie. Thank you, Bernie, for that. OK, um, so a lot of people, absolutely a lot of people supporting Daniel O'Donnell and horrified to think that anyone would complain about him being on the, the TV live. OK, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul for taking all your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning. Nick is up next. Mind yourself, stay safe. C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered. It's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognise you. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital. To help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From C103. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.